Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I'll tell you what's up. I'll tell you what's absolutely brimming over is the caught offside Andrew Gunling dossier on how Kai Havertz isn't that good. Um, Havertz not, a good tr- not a good night for him. No. Um, he's trending right now now i saw i didn't watch it live but i've i've been i've been following it on twitter and i've seen two videos so there's the cross and volley i speak of the mls all-star skills games mm-hmm. uh, the cross and volley where he hits the crossbar once with a good strike hits the butt of the post with his last strike but everything else after that is it's not great now anyone he finished, who's jj he finished with a score of 0 <laughs> 0 he did, he did. Um, he did. He did slightly, well, not slightly, much better in the game where there's a sponsored by Dawn. Other washing up liquids are available. This half a Dawn bottle in the middle of the field with like holes in it, and it's basically like ski ball. Um, but the ball is popped up left and right, and you've got to kind of volley it into the hole. He did better at that. Um, but he's getting roasted, absolutely roasted. Was not a good look. No, it's it's not. I will I will say I don't care whether it's in a game. I don't care whether you know you're. It's obviously easier when you're standing on your own in the box and the cross comes in unopposed. Like hitting a volley first time off a cross is just hard. Well, and I'm sure it gets harder when you've missed your first eleven in a stadium full of people, right? And now the pressure. Now you're overthinking. Um, and we all know that this is the measure by which soccer players are judged performances in competitions such as these um i will say this though one of the most i'll lean into this and i don't know maybe i'll get roasted for this i don't care you can say it's the most american thing about me i love this i am here for the mls all-star skills competition i enjoy it i think it's great make fun of me all you want 
No, uh, I think it's it's just fun to me, and I, listen, it's a uniquely American thing. I think some, and, um, and I'm all for it. Somebody, uh, I guess he's some kind of street baller. Well, he was invited to Man City training, and I saw the video go viral, and it's him and Jack Grealish, and and there's this little ramp that you can buy if you're playing on your own, and you hit the ball into the ramp, and it tosses it up so you can hit it on the volley. I was mesmerized by it. I watched them go at it for like however long that video was. And then I watched it again. And then I went down a rabbit hole where it's just after Gerard retires. And I think these two guys who, again, they're street ballers and they're doing all these tricks in a park. And one of them is it's kicking the ball off the top of a, a empty bottle and just smashing through it. And this stuff is, I don't know, it's compelling. Yeah, I love it. I think it's fun. Mm. Like that Eden Hazard video that went viral all those years ago of like him, like it was like a crossbar challenge, right? When people lost their minds over that. Yeah. Like, so why not devote a whole night to watching these guys who are so gifted at this do all that kind of stuff? Like, why would anyone not find it fun? Soccer AM, uh, the the magazine show that was on a Saturday morning, I think it's I think it's wrapping up. I think Sky are, are, are yeah. getting rid of it, but um like there were so many elements to that show, but the one that I really enjoyed was where they'd go to Chelsea or Liverpool or West Brom and they'd do the crossbar challenge. That was the stuff I loved. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not, it's not quite basketball, but it's certainly not a game without that's that, that can't be played with like those street tricks levels. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's great. And if people don't like it, then they're, then they're haters. It's simple as that. Um, what, uh, Oh, what a podcast this is going to be tonight. The Women's World Cup is upon us. I am so excited for this event for so many reasons. We're going to go through all of that. We've got uh, our our patented 10 big questions. Uh, so we'll roll through it and get you ready for uh, for the Women's World Cup. With Obviously, the, the focus tonight is going to be on the U.S. All throughout the tournament, we'll cover everybody. But tonight, this is this is kind of a U.S. women's national team-centric pod. So we're going to get you ready for that. And then, uh, not to be not to be forgotten, <laughs> Lionel Messi. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later on in the podcast as well, um, as his unveiling was the other night. His first training session was earlier today. His first game is coming up later this week. So there's a lot to get to. There's some interesting transfers, JJ. Uh, I forgot what year it was when I saw Manchester United had signed Johnny Evans earlier today. <laughs> I think that needs to be mentioned. And spoken I have about. the most. There is the most mind blowing stat now that we thought had been destroyed by David De Gea leaving United. But we know, but but has been maintained by Johnny Evans being here at United. you got to hang on for this one because a little part of my brain dribbled out my ear and onto my shoulder. This is this Is, is it absolute... something like players who... <laughs> well, I'm guessing. All right, fine. I'll allow you the pleasure of unveiling whatever... Please, give me something. ...the stat is. Um... Let's see. Should we get into it, JJ? Should we get into our Women's World Cup preview? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. I, we've got 10 questions here. We're going to go through them. This is so much fun. Getting ready, like prepared for this and like diving back into like all the articles and the highlight videos and all that stuff. I'm so, I'm so up for this. I'm so ready for it. And I should say too, I know that there's a lot of people out there for this tournament here in the U.S. in varying time zones that are that are worried, that are really worried that oh, this World Cup is not for mm. us. The time zones, they're in the other side of the globe. It's a different day. It's just, I'm going to miss everything. I'm going to be on a highlight. It's not that bad. 
It could, I'll say it could be a lot worse. Can, before we even get into it, can I put people's minds at ease, JJ? Because I do have the schedule in front of me, and I'll go through it quickly. Friday, 9 o'clock Eastern time, nothing wrong with that. Wednesday, July 26th, 9 o'clock Eastern time, the game against the Netherlands, nothing wrong with that. At night, I should say. I, I got to specify. These are both 9 p.m. Eastern time. So yes. prime time television. Like, nothing to complain about. Tuesday, August 1st against Portugal. All right, you got your 3 a.m. in there. That's where it, it's going to get a little tricky. We're going to have to figure out how how best to view that collectively. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, midnight, not terrible, not terrible. If the U.S. wins their group, um, round of 16, 10 o'clock Eastern time, not bad. I mean, God, we've been living with CONCACAF Gold Cup matches at you know 11.30 or whatever they are. Um, and then if they win that Thursday, uh, August 10th, 9 o'clock Eastern time, quarterfinal, nothing wrong with that. Semifinal would be at 5 a.m. Eastern time and the final. Uh, th- this is where this is the killer. But if they're in the final, it could actually be fun. 3.30 a.m. Eastern time would be the final. Um, and that's if they win their group. I should say this. If they don't win their group, it's not as good. So there's a lot of reasons you want them to win their group. This <laughs> the, the schedule is one of them. Uh, it's it'll be 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. in the round of 16 and quarterfinals if they don't win the group. So root for them to win the group. It's I think it'd make for a, a more conducive viewing experience. So there you go. So for everybody out there who is like all down and I'm not gonna be able to watch nine o'clock, nine o'clock, you got a 10 o'clock in there. Um, you know, another nine o'clock. It's not bad. It's not as bad as what people may, may have thought it was going to be. So hopefully that helps a little bit. You feel like your mind is at ease a little now knowing I, that JJ. I, 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 this is the kind of detail that, that you go into that I can't be bothered with. And it, uh, it, it, it just eases my mind. You've, you've done the gr- you've gone inside the grisly innards of, of the times. And it's no shock to me that, um, that those times fall mostly kindly for the United States, because there's no way FIFA, anybody involved in organizing this tournament wants to make it hard to watch the United States, put it that way. Yeah, especially, I mean, look, that's a huge TV viewing audience, and it is the number one ranked team in the tournament, so it makes sense. I should say you've complimented me for going deep into the time numbers, but in doing so, JJ, inadvertently, you know who you've actually thanked? Who? Henry Bushnell, because I just took all of those right from his article. So, Bushnell. uh, You're welcome. You love that guy. Because he does a great job. I've always been complimentary of his work. I think it bothers you. I don't know if you're you're like you're in some way threatened by my relationship with him, even though I don't actually have one. I just think he's good at his job. Uh, I, I don't know what your deal is. I'm sure a therapist could spend a lot of time digging into what's going on there between you and him. Uh, listen, uh, I, what I would say is this: I, I think that it's a rela- if me and you were in a a, a romantic relationship, uh-huh. I would be. In the kitchen, drinking Careful. a glass of wine when you come in from work and you'd be a little bit late. And I, you've seen Bushnell, haven't you? Haven't you? And I'd throw the glass of wine at the wall and then I'd run out crying. And I'd say, he pays attention to me. He doesn't phase out when I make interesting points about time zones. We have so much in common. All right, let's get into it now. And then I'd scream, I'm here. Boy, this is quite a life that you've carved out for the three of us. It's very interesting. Uh, all right. Ten questions now for the U.S. Uh, women's national team as they embark all upon right. the three-peat. A three-peat, JJ. Jesus. A historic three-peat. Uh, first one, Let's. we're not even going to beat around the bush, Nell. We're going to go right into one of the biggest questions here. Who's the best player on this team? Um. Well, I'm just going to say it's the foreign player, and it's the young player, and it's the attacking player in Sophia Smith. Um, 22 years old, 
basically over the last year has kind of carved her own starting spot in this squad. Not this squad, in this in this team, in this first 11. 10 goals, 5 assists for the Portland Thorns. It's crucial that she is able to keep that streak going, keep that form going, especially considering maybe the lack of options at number 9. Um, outside of Alex Morgan, so for, for me, she's not just she's probably not the just the the best player on the on the women's national team. She's the form player, and she might be the most important player. She was kind of she was my gut reaction answer as well. Hmm. Um, but I, I'm going to talk a little bit more about her later. So I did have I did have another answer. There are just some things with this team that I that I just can't let go of, and I can't help it. I, maybe it's a cliche answer. I call me old fashioned. I can't let go of Alex Morgan being the best player on the U.S. women's national team at a World Cup. I just inherently trust her. Uh, 15 goals and 17 appearances last season in the NWSL led everyone in scoring. Nine goal involvements in 11 appearances this season. So if you, if you thought a drop-off was coming as she's gotten a little bit older, um, she's not she's not showing, showing any signs of it. She's the odds-on favorite in this tournament to take home the Golden Boot Award. I think that's you know, probably for a reason they they think she's going to score a lot of goals. So I can't help it. I know it's sort of just like, yeah, that's easy. That's yeah, whatever. Like, oh, that's just surface level stuff. I, I think it. I think that she is still, even with this influx of youth, I still think Alex Morgan is the player that you trust in a lot of these big moments. Um, and so she's, I still look at her as the one who kind of has to lead this team on the field. Yeah, um, you're right about that. You're absolutely right about that. Um, all right. Now this is a tricky one. What yeah. is the U.S. women's national? What is the U.S. women's national team's greatest weakness? So, I am, um, as as typical for a lot of these things, I've kind of, I've kind of fudged the answer into three areas. Yeah, um, shoehorn all that stuff in there. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't really because someone's planted uh, that someone is Meglin uh, has planted an, a seed of doubt. So I, I thought it was center back. You know, missing an established veter- veteran in Sauerbrunn at centre back, I think that's that's a problem. Um, and then I thought centre forward because if Alex Morgan, as much as we trust her, if she gets something unforeseen like an injury, like who slots in there? Who does the, who does the kind of work that she does I'm in not, a kind of in in a number I'm not nine? As wo- I'm not in not a worried there. Yeah, you're not. I know you're not. But centrally, she she there's not really a like for like replacement. But you might be right. It might not matter. But then Meg Linehan wrote about how in midfield, and now basically I've listed every facet of the team as a worry. So I'm not. I'm just going to focus on midfield. Um, how the preferred three in midfield would be Lavelle, Ertz, and Horan, or as you guys call her, Horan. Horan. Yeah. And probably as she calls herself, JJ. Yeah. <laughs> Horan is the only one who will be, who we think will be guaranteed 100% fit to go. Lavelle still kind of coming back from a, a knee injury and we know how important she is as a creative force in the midfield. Ertz not not many minutes in the legs as the old cliche goes. So am I suddenly looking at a kind of a beat up midfield? Is, is Could that be an area? Because that's not you can get away in certain positions sometimes but like if your entire midfield is not quite there or at least two thirds of it isn't there? That's a problem. So I, I kind of, I think I that's, know, Meg, I think that's legitimate. I don't I think, think that... Meg put the seed of doubt in my brain today, and um, and now that doubt has grown into a doubt tree, Andrew. 
I could see that. I mean, look, ultimately, the question itself is almost flawed in some ways, just because, like, what's their greatest weakness? I, they're the best team in the world. Like, they're ranked number one. So when when that's the case, like, I don't – do they have a true weakness, or are you just trying to find the thing that they're least great at? Like, maybe that's arrogant, but I would say that about, you know, any team that's ranked number one in any sport. Like, that's that's just kind of what they are. They, they're back-to-back World Cup champions for a reason. If I'm looking through what you said there, uh, that is all valid. Um, I wonder a little bit about the, like, the age profile of this team, if that makes sense. 14 outfield, uh, outfield players age 30 or under. So basically, like that's that's players who play outfield positions that are essentially in their prime. Only three of them, Haran, Lavelle, and Sonnet, have appeared in a World Cup before. And Sonnet played just eight minutes. And Haran was a was kind of a bit part as well for as good mm-hmm. as she was in that world cup. She didn't play very much. Um, so like, look, it's certainly, it's possible that none of that will matter. But um, I saw this from Alex Morgan. She spoke about this kind of subject to goal, comparing the feelings around her first world cup 12 years ago compared to this one. And she, she gives some validity to this idea that your first world cup is a different experience, that it can be a little daunting. She said, I think that going into this world cup, the level of excitement is there just as much as my first one, but definitely the outlook and the anxiousness and the feeling of kind of being overwhelmed is a little bit at bay. And she goes on in the article to talk about that, about like how it was such a, in some ways, overwhelming experience for her in her first major tournament like that, that there are things that she will certainly, that she has done differently since then. It's a lot of key players on this team that are going to be experiencing those feelings all at once. Um, so is that, am I nitpicking? Could that all wind up being a moot point? Certainly, certainly could. We'll see. I mean, look, you touched on the other one. Um, it does bear mentioning the, the center back situation. Yeah. You know, I, it's not based on the talent of the players like Naomi Gurma, Alana Cook. They're, they're great players. It's just based really on the fact that they haven't played alongside one another in a position where chemistry matters. Um, you know, their their experience uh, with the national team is just not necessarily where you want your center back pairing to be. 16 caps for Germa, 25 caps for Alana Cook. So, again, I think they'll be fine. But if we have to choose something, I think that these are all of these things that we've pointed out. I think that there's some validity to them. So we'll see. Um, Can I just say, you just mentioned Naomi Germa there. Um I read her Players' Tribune piece today, a mm. uh, tribute to her best friend, um, the late Katie uh, Mayer, who died uh, last year, um, tragically. Took her own life. and um, They were teammates at Stanford together. They were teammates at, and came up together. And Katie had, um, had always said how Naomi was going to play in a World Cup. And it's come to pass. And I, I just, it's... It's 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 like some of these players players tribune tribune pieces. I have no time for. Like I really don't. They seem to be very formulaic. This is not. This is this is beautifully written, and it's and it's it's warm and and there's real pain in it as well. But it's it's worth it's worth reading and um and should um should make us all reevaluate those who are close to us and make sure that they know that um it's a very good piece. Yeah, I mean she's extremely bright. Naomi Germa. Uh, she talks about how her reasons for going to Stanford were not really soccer related. Like it was, no. you know, her major, she's, she's a really impressive, impressive person as many of these players on this team are. Um, all right. Next one, JJ, if the U S don't win this world cup, is it automatically a disappointment? Now here's what, before we answer, here's what the coach of the team said 
when he was asked if the World Cup can be satisfactory without bringing home the trophy. He said, mm-hmm. would, I, would I be happy with anything short of a third straight win? No! Exclamation mark. Absolutely not. There's only one thing in mind going into this tournament. Our goal is to win the World Cup. I think he is correct. I believe that even though it is asking an awful lot to demand a team to win the World Cup three straight times, there's a reason no one has ever done it before. It's incredibly difficult to do. Mm. But the fact of the matter is they come in favorites against whoever they're going to be up against. We'll talk about this in a moment, uh, so I don't want to totally undercut myself here, but we're going to talk in a, in a moment about what their potential road to the final will be. And all I'll say is we'll go through it in detail in a minute, but it's not that hard. Mm. It, I'm not saying it's easy. A world cup is never, you're not going to, you're not facing pushovers, but compared to what it could be, it's not that hard. So yeah, I think, I think he's right. I think everyone who supports this team, who's watching this tournament should feel that way. If they do not win the world cup, I think you're, I think it means that they lost a game somewhere along the way that they probably shouldn't have. Right. I, I, like I looked at this question and I thought, you know, because we, we regularly zap ourselves for our soccer arrogance on this podcast, but this is not one of those times. Um, look at the look at the standard set since this tournament was first started. The US has won half of them. We're allowed you know? to be arrogant with this team. A hundred percent. You know, back- like, like Brazil fans, they can be arrogant about Brazil's men's national team. We can be arrogant about the U.S. women. They're, they've I'm, they've given us, I think, every reason to be. The numbers are there. I mean, you're going for a three-piece and you don't do it. Perception would be that this is a disappointment. Um, and, you know, the expectations of U.S. supporters. So it's interesting, as we know, tournaments, and uh, particularly as they develop, all of a sudden you're on the Today Show. All of a sudden, you're on Good Morning America as the tournament develops, and it opens out a wider scope to people who are not really soccer fans generally, but they get into it. And to them, it will be a massive disappointment. And those are the those are the vast majority of people who watch the games. They're not the hardcore. Um, so yes, it's just a disappointment if they don't win. And and like they're generally considered to be the best roster, despite like we we can parse the roster and we can go through well. You know, we've got um, Macario's injured, Sauerbrunn's injured. Like, we, we can do that all we want. But to everybody else, and rightly, it's the best squad in the world. And therefore, it should win. And look, this country does not do second place very well at all. And certainly not in international tournaments. And certainly not with this team. No. Kind of- no, this team gets crushed for, for, for finishes that a lot of countries would kill for. Sure. And don't forget the last Olympics. That did not go the way things were wanted. Uh, that the the co- the head coach wanted, who was recently installed, the players wanted. That was bad. Yeah, no one this was got- so, no one was celebrating a bronze medal in this no. country. And 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 it's got to be better. So yeah, its expectations are, are are just different here. Yeah. Now, if you're curious, when I last checked, uh, like a day two days ago, uh, the BetMGM odds for this tournament, the U.S. Uh, were had the best at plus 225 then england at plus 400 spain plus 550 germany plus 700 and then france were plus 1000 those are your top five favorites uh with the u.s being number one um all right so along those lines which team or which teams 
pose the greatest threat to the U.S.? Um, I think the main threat, and I don't mean to dismiss anybody else, but you know we're not that long after European Championships, and so we've seen England up close and personal. England come into this tournament, the reigning European champions, winning all their games and qualifying, not conceding a goal. Their stock has never been higher. Now, Leah Williamson, Fran Kirby, Beth Mead, they won't be there. They're injured. And Ellen White, Ellen, who retired. Maybe Ellen White, been, Jill Scott, did. retired. Yeah. So there's going to be some, some turnover, um, some, as they say in business, churn. But this team is like absolutely pumped. And with that recent major tournament success to come in, they, they they are the biggest danger. And if you look back to the European Championships last summer, and I was home in Ireland for um, for most of it, and I did get the feeling that while the other teams are catching up, nobody has made up the ground on the US as much as England have, either from a physical standpoint, from a depth standpoint. The fact that the league in England is 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 really blossoming. Um, I I think I think England are the are the clear. Uh, let me let me do some um some very dramatic film. England are the clear and present danger to the U.S. Well, and you know, there's even I, I agree that would be my feeling on it as well. Um, you know, I think the other thing about them is they're one of the few teams um, that when they face the U.S. don't necessarily have that fear factor or intimidation factor. They, you know, they beat the U.S. last October at Wembley. Um, you know, like you just said, the fact that they have won the European Championships so recently, I think, puts them in this category of one of the few teams that will fear no one in this tournament. By the way, I mean, just think back to the last World Cup. We all remember, oh, the U.S. back-to-back champions. Uh, they they just coasted through. No, they did not. Like, remember that England game. I think there were a lot of people that left that game thinking that England may have been the better team, or certainly at least a little bit, certainly unfortunate in how that game played out. I mean, they had a goal narrowly disallowed through VAR on an offside that was really close. They had the penalty that was saved late from a listener that could have sent it to extra time. So that was tight. And I think, you know, England remember that, remember how close they were. They probably, they might think that they were the better team in that game. So mm. should these two meet, um, which would be late as late as possible in the tournament, um, they will not. They will not feel intimidated. Um, you know, Germany are another kind of natural choice of, of who could win this thing. They're the number two team in FIFA's world rankings behind the U.S. They were runners up to England at the European Championships, losing in extra time in a tournament that was in England, um, which was always going to be a hard place for another country to go win. But Germany pushed them to the limit. Um, you know, there's a little bit some questions maybe about Germany's form over the last five matches. They've been beaten twice. They drew once, but I don't know when you're, when you're getting like so close to a major tournament. Sometimes I just think it's like enough of these games that don't mean anything already. Like just get us to the real thing. I, yeah. I wonder sometimes if if I don't read too deeply into that. Um, boy, they have some world class talent on that team. Um, Alexandra Pop of Wolfsburg is one of the top players to watch. Although, um, she may not even necessarily be the starter for them. Uh, Leah Schuller. Uh, appears to be slated for Germany's striker position, 14 goals in the Bundesliga, second most. Uh, Lena Abdorov, uh, Abdorov might actually be their best player, just 21 years old, defensive midfielder. But here's what I mentioned before, the thing that has to be pointed out when you talk about all these top contenders to knock off the U.S., who's it going to be, who's going to push them the hardest? The U.S. are not really going to play any of them. Like So whether they win the group or not, by nature of of how the knockout stage is structured, which is a little bit strange, the U.S. cannot 
face England, Germany, France, the host nation of Australia, Brazil, or Canada until the final. <sighs> I mean, like all of them, all like all of the top contenders, essentially. So if you look at it, if thing now, not everything is always going to go according to plan. Um, but if you look at it, if things do go the way they're supposed to, and the U.S. win their group, Sweden win their group, essentially it'll probably be Italy or Argentina as the likely round of 16 opponent, Spain as the likely quarterfinal opponent, um, and then potentially, I think, Japan in the semifinal. Now, it's, I know this is kind of silly, like who knows what's going to happen, but I'm just saying it, if things kind of go the way they should, that that will likely be the U.S.'s road. Um, not saying it's easy. Spain are, are tough. They might have one of the top two or three best players in the world. Um, but all the top, most of the top contenders, England, Germany, France, Australia, like wouldn't be until the final. So there you have it. Maybe that, that puts some minds at ease. If people were afraid that the U S are going to have to run some kind of, some kind of gauntlet that won't, won't necessarily be the case, but we'll see. That's amazing. Um, that way, the way it's set up. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Again, it's, it's just no harm for FIFA to make sure the U.S. go deep. Well, I don't, I mean, this, these things are sort of, what are you implying? That the <laughs> that the draw was in some way fixed? No, I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to do a Brooklyn Mafia. I ain't saying nothing. <laughs> I mean, isn't this kind of just like the way that it, that way that it shook out? I don't know. Apparently, um, Infantino landed and at the press conference, I think it was Andrew Das uh, of the New York Times. Or is he still of the New York Times? I know they gutted their sports department. I'm assuming he is. Yeah, um, is it, are they all like absorbed into the some sort of athletic New York Times hybrid? I don't know what they're... Yeah, I'm not sure what what goes on there. Well, anyway. What about Rory Smith? What will I do without him? Um, He's still going to write. Don't worry. Yeah. He still doesn't respond to my text messages. Oh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um so Andrew Andrew said uh, apparently that um Infantino sitting down to the press conference like this guy he just knows no limits uh, based on remember his today I feel gay today I feel like a migrant worker you know this whole thing that he did apparently he sat down and he went today I feel tired because I just got off the plane like he's he's doing his own stand up uh, so he's at least got a little bit of self awareness yeah, and it was, I mean, one more laugh than I, like, say, for example, I read a great tweet about how Joe Rogan was a terrible stand-up, so I went looking for some of his stuff today, and it was brutal, absolutely brutal. Infantino was ahead of him. All right, there you go. That's something to rest his hat on. Um, all right, next one, JJ. This is a big one here. Of the various injuries that the U.S. has been hit with, which one has you most concerned? Now, um, God. So... My again, my gut reaction here is Becky Sauerbrunn, leader. That's your gut. Yeah, that's my gut. She's the central leader. position, right? The like the most like her and Megan Rapino are like the most seasoned vets. So reliable, fair or not. Like we'll see how we feel at the end of this tournament, but fair or not, going into the tournament, you just you can't help, you feel differently about their defense if she's there. You just do. Now, having said that. This team is not necessarily one that has been pouring in goals of late. So I did some work here, if you'll bear with me. Okay. Over their last 13 games, they've scored more than two goals in a game uh, just twice. 
And that was in back-to-back matches against a not very good New Zealand team where the U.S. scored four and five. Um, All the other games were two or fewer goals. Now, if you look a little deeper, the U.S. have scored 25 goals total in those 13 games. But for the sake of this exercise, we'll call it 24 goals in 13 games because one of them was an own goal. Look at who has scored them. So Rose Lavelle has three. Sophia Smith, two, Megan Rapinoe, one, Alex Morgan, two, Lynn Williams, one, Trinity Rodman, two, Emily Fox, one, Lindsey Horan, one, Alana Cook, one. And by the way, Alana Cook's was a cross that was went in the goal by accident. Now look at the other ones who have scored them. The rest of the 24. Mallory Swanson, eight, Ashley Hatch, one, uh, Taylor Korniak, one, and then the one own goal. So the final tally is in these last 13 games, 14 goals by players who are going to the World Cup including an accidental goal from Alana Cook and um, and three goals from Rose Lavelle, a player who may not even be healthy at this tournament, and then 10 goals from players who are not going, including eight from Mallory Swanson. Now, you can say all you want that Becky Sauerbrunn is the most concerning, but like this team has not gotten a ton of production of late from the attackers on this roster. Hmm. So like the person who has scored most of their goals, Mal Swanson, and the person who finished higher than any other U.S. Win, uh, women's national team member in the Ballon d'Or last year, and Katarina Macario are both not going. Yep. So when you look, when you start to look at it like that, the players who are going have not have not been super productive of late, and the players who were most productive in scoring goals for the U.S. are not going. Suddenly, you know, like the U.S. they're not conceding many goals. Like they've got a lot of shutouts of late. Um, so, like, all of a sudden, yeah, Becky Sauerbrunn, of course, would be hugely important to have there for, for so many reasons, even beyond just on the field. But, like, you got to score goals to win. Uh, so, Macario, Swanson, those two being injured, that may actually, to me, be more concerning, even with how great I believe that the players that they have that are going up front are. That, um, uh, I don't know. I might be a little bit more concerned about that. I, I I tend to agree with you. I had split it down between Sarah Brown and Macario, but you've made a compelling case for Mallory Swanson. I think just I've read so much about how Andonovsky loves Macario, considered building a team around her, and the fact that she won't be there is, is a massive blow. When you say there's not not that many goals in the team, that's a massive worry. That's, that is the hardest thing to do in the game, and it's the most important thing to get right. And defending while while it's crucial too, I, I, I tend to agree with you. Um, going in, having any question marks over where the goals are going to come from is not good. So we'll see. Um, you know, like, like we said, all these players are great. It may, it may be nothing, but I just know what I saw with my own eyes leading up to this tournament. And that was Mallory Swanson scoring lots and lots and lots of goals. Now she's not there. Um, so... They're going to have to, they'll have to come from somewhere. They have players that I trust and I'm sure that they will perform and and play great. Um, But I also, you know, I think our defense will be great too. So like between, if I have to choose one, I I might go with what's missing up front. Um, All right, JJ, a a little bit of like an intermission from the U S (laughs) talk, JJ, it's your time to cook. Give us your Ireland national team breakdown. Um, okay, where to start? Well, let's begin with the with the lead into the tournament, which was marred by the athletic piece, another athletic piece, uh, specifically about Vera Pau, but arising from the NWSL investigation uh, last December, 
which in which she was named um, for her uh, for her alleged treatment treatment she denies of players uh, talking about their fitness, uh, you know, quite what was portrayed as an allegedly confrontational, uh, quite aggressive style of coaching while she was in Houston with the dash. Um, so there was Houston players that went and spoke to the athletic uh, ex-Houston players and maybe current, I don't know, um, under the guy with, with anonymity for this piece. Now, this piece didn't do much here in the United States, but it did a lot in Ireland. And that dominated the airwaves hmm. because this team is at its first World Cup. And so everything that happens to the team is talked about. And it, it it means an awful lot. Ireland's at a World Cup and we haven't been at one since 2002 with the men's team. So this kind of cast a cloud over uh, over things, over preparations a little bit. Um, Joe Malloy of uh, Off the Ball, he kind of put, put out an impassioned statement on the radio saying that the FAI did not deal properly when this allegation, when the, when the NWSL report and the allegations within the report were published in December of last year and that that's that's caused this problem now and that there needs to be a much more full and much more frank account of of Irish players experience under Vera Powell and and exactly what happened at Houston so like it you know off the ball is probably the biggest sports show in Ireland and that did carry a lot of weight and so there has been a cloud and then a recent warm-up game against Colombia a few days ago was called off after 20 minutes unbelievable after now I've seen the challenge. It doesn't look great uh, on Denise O'Sullivan, a star player for Ireland. So you know she she came off injured. She's going to be okay according to the reports. But the Irish team just assembled on the sideline and said, uh, said basically, um, yeah, we're not going to do this anymore. We out. Is, yeah, we out. This is not worth it. So there must have been an underlying level of aggression. Um, there were certainly aggressive comments from Colombian players afterwards. Um, some of them describing the Irish players as little girls and some of them um, being told to eat S um, over their walk-off. Uh, now, look, I, I can... The Irish are not afraid to put a tackle in. They all play in, in, at a high level uh, in their respective leagues. And so I am I would imagine there was just a level of aggression for a friendly game beyond the norm and that it just wasn't worth it. Um, so there's all these these kind of side issues coming into the into the tournament um, just the group itself, Andrew, Australia, Canada, Nigeria, for a first time team at a World Cup, that's an extremely tough group for Ireland. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. Um, unlikely to get very much out of Australia. Canada then will pose, you know, a test too. And maybe you're looking for your points or your feel good game against Nigeria, but even that's not guaranteed either. It's just a really tough group. There's quality in, in the Ireland squad, including Arsenal skipper Katie McCabe. Um, she's been, I mean, Absolutely uh, fantastic for Arsenal in the Champions League. Uh, fantastic for Ireland too. Um, but yeah, this is a tough, tough group. Um, it's been an achievement to get this far. Nobody will forget that win in Hampden Park that took us there. Um, fantastic performance. Ireland won't be, you know, the basics of of every Irish international team of heart, spirit, organisation. Those things will all be there. The question is whether they have enough quality throughout the squad, not just the Sullivan, not just McCabe, not just the kind of household names. Is there enough spread out throughout the squad to can that they can make an impact? Honestly, I don't think so, but I'm hoping for. I mean, it would be wishful thinking. A lot. I heard some of the players speak yesterday about how 
they want it to be, you know, like Italian 90 was for the men, where they go on this magical run to the quarterfinal. That would be, that would be just amazing. To get out of the group would be just truly amazing. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's the Ireland team as I stand mm-hmm. here um, with their first game against Australia, baptism of fire on Thursday. It's a really hard group. And opening it up that way Ugh. in front of 80,000 um, Australian fans are going to be losing their minds. It's, I know. I know. It's I mean, what a, what a cool experience. Like, it's really brilliant. an incredible thing to be a part of. Brilliant. And, and, and I, don't want, I don't want to write them off. I don't want to say, well, well done for getting their pat on the back and off you go and get beaten. I don't want it to be like that. And um, they will have tremendous expatriate support down there. There are so many Irish people down there. Really? So, so there will be visible, I I would be shocked if there's not visible and vociferous Irish support in that stadium. That it won't be all Australia. It won't be quite as partisan as it would seem, but the Matildas are well liked down there as well. They're well supported. Yeah. So so there you go. So I, I just, um, I don't want to talk about fearing the worst and stuff, but I want I want a good show and I want something that the girls can come home and 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 that we can all have been proud of their performance. Well, that's very nice. That's a nice Christmas story. JJ's just happy to be there. No, 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 no. Did not say that. Don't put words in my mouth, Mr. Gundling. That's not fair. It's not fair. I want them to, yeah, I want them to do really well, but it's, oh, the group is, no, not good. It's a tough, it's a tall order, certainly, but I'll root for, I'll root for Ireland. Will you? I love, I mean, I've been to Ireland. I loved it. Beautiful country. Do you love me? I do. I certainly do. If it makes you happy, then it makes me happy as well. Good. Um, yeah, I would. I'd like to see them succeed. Yeah, they're they're always like you said. They always have good support. They're. Uh, I don't know. Something about them is fun to me. They're good to have at a tournament. Yeah, like we're definitely. I know we like to 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 shy away from the fact that you know the fans and the drinking and and that whole thing. But like the Scots and the Irish, you kind of want them at your tournaments. Sure. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. Now back to the U.S. More important matters at hand. <laughs> um, JJ, if the U.S. win this World Cup, do they go down as the most memorable U.S. team of all time? I did not understand this question. Um, so well, I guess then it's because they'll be the help. They'll, they'll be the they'll be the team that achieves the three peat. So that's the thing. You're it's essentially a question that is asking you to weigh the importance of what happened in '99 versus the importance of being the first men's or women's team to three-peat in a World Cup? I don't think it's possible to top 99. I agree. I I agree. And I'm not saying this won't be an amazing tournament, but if you think of the culture of women's sport, women's soccer in America, just the, the landscape of it and what 99 did, and 99 didn't just change perceptions like it changed the trajectory of u.s soccer i think more than any other thing that happened more than david beckham coming to the country uh, more than Lionel messi coming to the country well, i, I think, think the that, only thing that you could compare it to would be the the men's world cup in 94 being held in the u.s that's the only other thing and i and i think it 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 it, it but like winning yeah uh, winning winning on your own soil and winning when television was king when everybody was around a television screen to watch that, when the stadium was absolutely packed in front of a, a worldwide audience, I and it threw up so many iconic images, like just so many. 
Um, so it's not, it's, it's not possible. Um, in the, especially with a tournament that's as far away as this one is in a, a fragment, a fragmented media landscape. It's not possible to have that kind of impact again. No, I think you're right. I, ultimately, I agree with you. I'll have a little bit more for, on that later uh, in our 10 questions. However, let me, I agree with you. If I were going to mount an argument for the other side of this, okay, um, I would say, I would say being the the first nation men's or women's to three peat is outrageous. It's an, <laughs> yes. it would be an outrageous achievement, and it's made even more outrageous when you consider the era in which it would be occurring. What is the one thing that we have been told here in the U.S. about women's soccer over and over again over the course of the last decade? that the rest of the world is catching up or has caught up to the United States. And by the way, I believe that to be true in many instances. I really think that the the level of play that we have seen from nations around the globe in women's soccer has absolutely leveled up. Yep. No question about it. Undeniable. Which would make it all the more incredible that this would be the moment when the U.S. went ahead and won three straight. Not like 91, 95, 99, not sometime then when a lot of nations were kind of just getting their women's soccer programs off the ground. No, doing it now when everyone around the world has gotten as good as they've ever been and all we're being told here in the U.S. is that everyone has now caught the U.S., the fact that they could do it now in that sort of global soccer environment in the women's game makes it all the more incredible to me. So like, if they do it, what does it say about that achievement? That it's just like an incredible statement to the rest of the world that maybe you think you've reached our level, but you are mistaken. You have decidedly not. I think if they can do that in this sort of way uh, at this tournament on the other side of the world, um, yeah, I, I, I just think it would be such an incredible achievement. Like I said, I don't know that it reaches the level of 99, but it, it certainly is ushered right into that second spot behind it. With all I, I, this, with all this team has achieved over the years, this would this would absolutely go right in behind it. I think that's fair. Um, all right, let's see. We continue now, JJ. So we mentioned earlier the U.S. women's national team. What, what's their greatest weaknesses? We kind of puttered around with that. Not sure. Let's go to the other side, the more fun side. What is their greatest strength? And again, you know, it you feel like you're contradicting yourself, but you're not. It's just, you're talking about this team in depth and you're talking about like holding them to a higher standard. I think it's, I think it is the depth of this squad. Like it oh. is, the, it is the talent that's there. Like, just look, like just look at the forwards. And I know there's, and, and the fact that there's talent missing from this forward, this forward set is unbelievable. So you start off with the vets, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino, Then you have Trinity Rodman, uh, Sophia Smith, Alyssa Thompson, Lynn Williams, I mean, there's is there is there a country that can produce that level across the board that can call on substitutes like that? I think you know, Mewis, Lavelle in midfield, Horan. Like, I know Juliet hasn't uh, played very much lately. She's been something of a um, a part time footballer, but I, you know, look at her experience. Look at what she's done in the game, and then it, look look at the experience generally. Crystal Dunn, you can call upon uh, Kelly O'Hara. Like, I just. I just think strength in depth wise, it's still such a formidable side, and that it, and that really is their strength that they do have players that can come in, and they won't be as hampered as other countries will be by losing their 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 first team stars. That doesn't mean they'll win the World Cup. That doesn't mean they won't miss the players that aren't going to be there. But it's it's just a level of of talent that um, that nobody else gets close to. Yeah, 
Uh, I totally agree. That was my answer too, was just the depth that this team has. And also too, I should say, um, like, what does it say about how good this team could potentially be where before when we went through greatest weaknesses, you understandably not knocking it, but you settled on possibly the midfield. There is a world where you can spin that around or things break a certain way. And that midfield that is potentially their greatest weakness. I, I almost listed it as my greatest strength. Now I could ultimately I couldn't do that because there are just there are question marks there. Like Rose Lavelle, Vladko Andonovsky just talked about her after the Wales tune-up, said that she's still in the building up phase. So like that's just a that's just concerning enough for me where I, I can't say that the midfield is the greatest strength. Like you said, Julie Ertz, like we saw her in some of the tune-ups and and for what I saw, I'm like, okay, I I I'm good now. Like, yes, you're right back into the starting eleven. Let's do it. But Again, with the center back situation being what it is, Vladko Andonovsky wouldn't rule out the possibility of Julie Ertz going back to playing the position that she initially came up as, which was a center back for the U.S. So yeah. the, the midfield might get switched around in certain ways, but there is a world where Rose Lavelle is healthy, Julie Ertz is back to the Julie Ertz that she always was, and Lindsey Horan, who you know maybe like the weak link of those. Vladko thinks so much of her, he named her one of the co-captains with Alex Morgan of this team. So what does that say about Lindsey Horan? So there's a world where that weakness for some winds up being their greatest strength. That's how ridiculous this team could potentially be. There's a, yep. there's a lot of strength. they got strengths all over the place. It's going to be fun to watch. Um, all right, next one, JJ. Which U.S. women's national team player that may not necessarily be a household name today will be by the time this tournament is over? Uh, very simple one. Don't need to go into depth. Already mentioned her. I think it's Sophia Smith. Because basically, yeah. of all the players, of all the, the, the starters, maybe Lynn Williams, um, she's the one that's coming in without the biggest, you know, she doesn't have the, the tournament background before. She's not an Alex Morgan. She's not a Megan Rapino. She's not a Rose Lavelle. This is her chance, especially in the form that she's in. And to, like, the, the casual soccer fan, a big tournament for her, if she keeps going in the form she's in, she will be on the tip of everyone's tongue by the end of the tournament, could potentially be in line for a player of the tournament. Again, form dictating. Uh, so that's why I think. And also, if you look at previous squads um, where we've come home, and, and, and I'm, I'm not talking about political stances or how they've kind of broke through into into the political, um, you know, the political conversation or anything like that. But the players you talk about are the forwards. That's that is just the attackers. That is just the way it is. And she's prime. Uh, she's in prime position to be one of those person people that um, the casual fan is talking about after the tournament. Yeah. And, you know, it's a funny thing. She's my answer as well, where we are very simpatico on a lot of these, especially in regards to her. I don't like the way you say that. Simpatico. I don't, don't it's love the proper it. accent. It's how you're it's putting said. a bit too much juice on it on the pot. Simpatico. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, it's giving me the chills, the D chills. Ugh. Well, I'm sorry that this is this is the language, JJ. I speak the, the, it. There, there was a girl who used to work with us that said Andrew can make anything sound creepy. <laughs> Am I making this creepy? It's you're, I, creep, I, you're actually creeped out. I don't like it. It gives me that chill. Then we sympathetic. No, uh, no, yeah, we're very sympathetical on this. We're aligned. Um, I agree with you. Sophia Smith was my answer too. You know, but it, it's a funny thing. She's she's like the ra- literally. Quite literally, the reigning NWSL MVP. Like so, in in soccer circles, she is a household name, unquestionably. However, you and I both know that with the way things work in this country, with the U.S. Women's National Team, if you don't do it at the World Cup, 
you aren't yet a household name. She's only 22 years old. And, uh, you know, the way that the roster has kind of broken in her favor, unfortunately for some, but, you know, she's now been ushered right into the starting 11, most likely due to some injuries for others. Um, this is, like you said, this is her opportunity. Uh, so I agree with you. I, I have all the faith in the world that she'll be able to get it done. We've seen her do it domestically, and I think that it'll happen for her at this tournament. And I, like you said, I think when this is over, she'll be the answer to that question. There's a lot of candidates. I mean, yeah. Trinity Rodman is another one that I think has oh, a real yeah. chance here. And 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 you know, like the just the the last name. I mean, right. whether she, whether she she doesn't really lean into that at all, but that is that's gonna kind of have people who would be just casual fans Rodman and yeah. immediately Google her. Right, and be like, no, it couldn't be. Couldn't oh my be. God, it is. Come, look at this. Look yep. at this. You're not going to believe this. Yeah, like absolutely. how many guys in their early 40s are going to collapse if they see her score like a worldie and then realize who she is. Right. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of players that have a chance to to be that. Um, but yeah, Sophia Smith would be my answer as well. All right, we're up to the final one. The last one here, JJ, and we're mm. for this one. We gotta we gotta go back and get nostalgic. On the eve of a of a new tournament of a World Cup, JJ, what's your favorite moment in U.S. Women's National Team history? Uh, my favorite moment, simply put, is Rapino to Wambach to equalize quarterfinal Dresden, twenty eleven. Uh, the hundred and seventy sec, the hundred and sec, hundred and twenty second minute. 172nd minute to send the game to penalties. Uh, just so, just for context, I was coaching um, for a New Jersey coaching company. We were doing a big high school camp at the Purnell School. So, um, love that school be- up up by Bedminster, up in the up in the hills of uh, of New Jersey, and um, it was so hot. It was a roasting hot day. I remember everybody, we, we kind of, we finished the field sessions early to get everyone in and all, all our players uh, were all gathered in the, in the door, in, in the main room to kind of watch this and just everyone's excitement, you know, and not being a new, a U.S. national, being fairly new to the country to get wrapped up in it. That was the first time I really thought, you know, really got into this team and really kind of enjoyed uh, watching them play and everything about that move because it starts in the right fullback position. The ball goes into the center and Abby Wambach talks. It goes into Carly Lloyd in the center. Now, I don't think Carly Lloyd at 35 would have done what she did at like 25 or whatever age she was then because she carries the ball and Abby Wambach said, and I see Carly on the ball and she's dribbling. I'm like, what are you doing, man? All I wanted her to do was to hit it forward to the center forward position where I'd be, but it's actually really calm play because the clock is running. Yeah. Carly Lloyd gets it and she plays it um, to, to Megan Rapino on the left-hand side who, who advances the ball into a good crossing position. She looks up, gets her head down and floats across to the back post. And um, actually, why, why am I explaining it? Let's listen to, uh, to Ian Dark. Rapino gets the crossing. Oh, and there's there's actually, uh, of course, because I'm a weirdo in searching for that for the commentary for that goal, I found the FIFA feed, which doesn't have dark comment commentating on it. There's unbelievable ASMR from the ball hit, hitting the rigging, like it's perfect. <laughs> and I remember talking to the kids 
about the goal afterwards. And I, I was trying to, I was so like enthusiastic about it. To me, and you, you are the master, Andrew, please tell me I'm wrong. But isn't that the soccer version of an alley-oop? Uh, up there and smash it in. More just like a swish. There's a sound sometimes that a basketball makes when it goes but through not the But not the net. sound, not the sound, the, oh. the actual goal itself. Like, oh, oh, you mean just like the, like, the so aesthetics the of up. it. The aesthetic of the goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so clean. Yeah. The pass, the header, like all of it is just... Now, the goalkeeper does not do herself any favors, but she's got to come and she just does She marginally doesn't get there. And that moment felt like it made so many figures. Like, obviously, it was one of the the crowning moments of Abby Wambach's career, unquestionably, one of the greatest careers in women's soccer history. But, like, kind of the moment, Megan Rapinoe was a great player and all, but that pass, I think, put her on the map in a way that she was not at that point. And that, I mean, that was the catalyst to another one of the great careers in women's soccer history um i mean it just and the call for me and dark has saved the u.s's life like it's a perfect he's at the top of his game there just one year after he had the landon donovan call that's like it's right in his prime it's oh yeah all of it is god what a moment i'll never forget that yeah those were the wonder years absolutely amazing yeah um that's that's a good one that is a good one now thank you one question i had for you before i get to mine does it Obviously, you answer this by having it as your moment. So for me, I wonder if it's if it's just a little bit impacted by the fact that they they didn't go on to win that tournament, that they no, lost in we're really devastating a, fashion. But you're talking about a favorite moment. Yeah, and a I moment know. exists in and of itself. Joy is encapsulated in a... Joy is... Think of joy as a medieval town. It's walled off by the past... And it's walled off by the future. Is this true? It exists on its own. If, if that feeling, yeah, yeah, your favorite moment. Like you could, like, like would again, a Yankee I, fan say that? Like, w- was Aaron Boone's home run against the Yankees in Game Seven some way impact? Like, would it have been more timeless had they then beaten the Marlins in the World Series? I, I think it might have. I think it might have been. Hmm. It's hard but, to say. Yeah, but I mean, your favorite moment is 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 literally that. How you felt in that moment and why no, you're you right. loved it. Why you loved it. I don't like to add too much context around it. Like it's okay. You know, what one of my favorite goals was scored in a friendly. You know. <laughs> like one of the best goals I've ever seen, Ariel Ortega versus um Ireland at Lansdowne Road in nineteen ninety-seven. Scored in a friendly. I mean, now that's just ridiculous. That's <laughs> come on. Let's get Do you real. not think, but like even even in your personal life, oh, we're getting I gotta be careful with this. But like you could have had a moment with someone else, like uh, like with a friend who's not or with a person who's not your best friend, and it might be the best moment in, uh, that you ever remember. Now I guess it means more if you're with someone you care about, I guess. I don't know. Maybe you're where, right. Where Maybe I'm going? wrong about that. Maybe I don't well, know. I, I think there's truth in both in both of these things. I get maybe. what you're saying. If you can so maybe you context can... matters. Maybe it does. It, it, yeah. All right. Well, at any rate, mine is all about context. <laughs> it's for mine. It's so cliche. I, I desperately want it to be different. But like I, I always say on this podcast, I'm nothing if I'm not honest. What I feel is what I feel. I, I can't. Carly I, I, Lloyd against Japan. Well, I'll get to that. No, I, I couldn't help it. I have to go with with the gold standard. 99 and Brandy Chastain and the winning penalty. Here's what it sounded like. He missed the penalty kick against China in the Algarve Cup and they lost that game.
you know, that that's, moment, it's, it's just iconic. It's, so and it's amazing. just one of those things where it's, I wonder if you can relate to this in, in some way. Like it sometimes is hard to explain exactly why certain moments break through in a way that others don't. Like, I don't know why, like the timing has to be right for a certain thing to feel a certain way. I don't know, but for whatever reason, this moment of the U S women going on this run in the U S in that world cup, it just, it just affected and impacted the country in a way that I have almost never seen before from like a, a, from like a national team perspective. Like we've seen, you know, we, people get up for the Olympics. It's fun. Like people do get into it, but I think what this team did, I think they inspired a country in a way that we, I don't know that we've really seen that before and not, I mean, maybe we've seen it since, but I don't know. I mean, there's something about what that team meant to people that just, you know, I think like if you look at the women's sports movement as a thing in the U.S., and if you think of it as like an explosive device, you'd say that like, you know, people like Billie Jean King, they lit the fuse and the the fuse continues to burn like Jackie Joyner-Kersey, Bonnie Blair, Chris Everett, Mm. like it, it burns through them. But eventually what has to happen? A fuse has to explode, and that's when it really makes its mark. Brandy Chastain's winning penalty was the explosion, and I think it just it had been building and building and building, and then that was it. It was just this outpouring of just seeing a stadium full of people to cheer on these women. It was just rightly or wrongly, wrongly, I guess, it's just something that hadn't really been seen before. And I think it just opened up girls in this country to want to play sports on a whole different level than anything we had seen before. It just, it, it meant so much culturally as much as it did from a sports perspective. It was just, God, it was so important and such an incredible thrill. I mean, I remember where I was watching that I was at sleepaway camp, uh, camp Lohican JJ in the Poconos, little, little Andrew Gunling. Um, but it was one of those events where it was one of those things where very, very infrequently, would they like you could sign up they would like bringing television or something into camp was a was not a thing that happened it was not camp is not supposed to be about that you're outside yep. you're meeting people you're playing sports you're going fishing you're on on kayaking on the lake all that stuff all the weeing in the thing, forest yep all that stuff. so it took something really unique for them to wheel in the projector and you could sign up and go into like the auditorium and watch and this was one of those things and you know what a sports nut i am and i was already like becoming at that point in my life a huge soccer fan so i was one of the first in line and i'll never forget it like almost being brought to tears watching it it was just you are a true patriot though you love when america wins and i do i do and i will never apologize for that i do love it and it was so incredible by the way you know the other thing that they wheeled in the projector for and i'll never forget this one for far different reasons oh jesus Big sporting event. Let's oh, let's bring all the kids together for this one. Let's yep, wheel in the projector. Kids, come on, sign up. No. You'll never believe it. Go. Cool. Where I saw Mike Tyson bite a man's ear off his head. <laughs> Can you believe that? That was in the camp. other one. At camp with a wow. bunch of little kids who didn't Why does that feel like the camp counselors were like, I really want to see Tyson uh holy fight? I'm sure that probably was some of it, but that that fight was big. Like there was a bigness to that. Um you know, two guys like, you know, just huge names in the sport at the time. It felt like a big moment. And like all these little campers, I was a little bit older, so I, you know, didn't rattle me, but like, it's probably a tough thing for like a nine-year-old to see. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. And I mean, so, that was a much more graphic bite than the Suarez bites. Oh yeah. Much it was more gross. Bloody it was really and... disgusting. 
But anyway, fit, I mean, Tyson was probably done at that point, but he was yeah. definitely done after that. Yeah, that was definitely a turning point in the man's in the man's professional. Oh, this was a lovely trip down memory. But so, yeah, but those were the moments that I remember they wheeled in the projector. But yeah, I'll never I'll, the 99 thing. I'll just anyone who was there for it. It's hard to put into words just how important it was. But if you were there for it, you know it. I, I did. I wanted to say, JJ, I really like if I wanted to be different or whatever, the Carly Carly Lloyd scored an effing goal from the halfway line in a World Cup final. Yeah. I mean, like strictly from a soccer perspective, scoring a goal like that in a final is ridiculous. You I may to- never see that again. I totally agree with you. I really but, do agree with you. But the impact but, of 99 was it was just too much. Too by much. the way, we're speaking of rolling out projectors um, before when we come back from the break, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but they might as well have rolled out a projector in Fort Lauderdale to show some of the videos. It was so bad at the messy unveiling. Oh, oh, oh why? That was our U.S. Women's National Team FIFA Women's World Cup preview. We're so excited. We will be with you uh, Friday. They, they uh, Like I said, 9 o'clock Eastern time is the game. Should be over probably around 11 or so. Uh, so we'll, we'll get together uh, late on a Friday night. And we'll put something out there after that game um, Sweet. to give you, give you a little recap. But yes, like you said, JJ, let's go ahead. We'll take a break. We'll come back. A couple things on the other side, including the unveiling. We will get to that and more. Don't go anywhere. More caught offside still to come. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. Very hot week here in America. Record highs. Not good. Gripping the nation. <laughs> no, it's it's really not good. good. I, I, every day is just like, oh. And you know where I'm headed? I have to whisper it. This uh, early Saturday morning. So we'll do the pod late, late yep. Friday night. And then I got to wake up incredibly early Saturday morning. And I'm whispering. Because I still have not told my kids, it is an unbelievable surprise. But we are—we've uh, saved up a little bit, and first ever appearance for the for Jack and Luke in Disney World. It oh my happening. God, they're going to go mental. There's going to be we. Yeah, everywhere. they don't know yet. You're in all over your car with excitement. It's going to be a a true surprise. So I have to keep that's my amazing down. to give yeah. that gift. Just amazing. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable. I'm a little ner- little nervous about elements of it. I mean, for one, we're talking about heat gripping the nation. It's just like, I mean, you're going into the lion's den. Oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be bad down there, real bad. <laughs> and of course, you know, there's the persistent threat of alligators. <laughs> yeah. That haunts, um, your, haunts your dreams. Um, I can't, just wait. Like, I can't know, wait to do the same when Roisin is old enough. Yeah, it's going to be go, incredible. I'll, I'll go Roisin. 
I'll wake her up. It'll be a Saturday morning. Roisin, guess where we're going? I said, go where, Dad? Disney World? No. Gettysburg. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. It's going to be use all... this child just to do historical things. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I love Disney World. I know some people might have mixed feelings on it because it's just not for everyone. The lines, the heat, all that stuff. I love it. it. I I love that place. Despite, I go every, despise I, the company. Just... Oh, geez. Easy. Good Lord. Yeah, let's just torch bridges. Who knows if we'll walk back over them one day? Nope. It's burnt to the ground to a crisp. You think we're going back to ESPN? Eh, who knows? I don't I don't burn any bridges in this industry. Are you kidding me? No, you're right. And I should shut my mouth. Yeah. Um, good Lord. Uh, no, I, it's a fine I company run by a fine mouse. I love that place. I, I really think it's an unbelievable place. I'll say this. It's, it's so damn expensive. I don't know when I'll be able to get back there again. So this right now feels like once in a lifetime stuff. It is once in a lifetime. It's their first time there. It can only have one first time. Um, there are parts of it that I'm just nervous about. Like, a, the, like they'll be so tired, so hot, so overly stimulated <laughs> lines, rides certain things that they'll be afraid of that i would never imagine certain things that they'll want to do that i would never think they'd want to do i the whole thing is an the whole trip is an x factor and by the way planning it there's not a trip on earth more complicated to plan than this most trips you book your flight you book your hotel and then you go and you do whatever you do this is like you got to plan stuff down to the minute you got to like which park reservations which rides book it like, I don't know what a three-year-old wants to do five seconds from now, let alone a week from now. What has Luke What has Luke got in common with Alex Morgan? I don't know. Uh, Luke is likely to be kicked out of the Epcot Center, just like she was in 2017. Sports Illustrated, U.S. Uh, Women's National Team star Alex Morgan apologizes for Disney World incident. Morgan was reportedly told to leave uh, after an incident at a bar in Epcot. I've done that the uh, around the world where you kind of like because Epcot has the different countries and you go and get a drink at each one. Oof! Oh, it's a so much fun. Hammered though. Yeah, by the end of it. Oh my yeah. lord! You've got to keep it keep it together. Maybe mm. she didn't. I don't know. I wasn't there. Can't say. <laughs> uh, but I can't wait. So I can't I will... wait for her face and Luke's face to be on the banned list of some some security <laughs> guard's wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, I will be in in Florida. Um, coming up for that also happening in florida oh boy here we are we are in it it's all happening it is all happening leo messi has arrived he has gone to Publix. he's been cited what did you make of that we haven't had a pod since that i i viewed when he went to that grocery store when he went to Publix, uh, which i've come to find that people in florida are never very been very protective and in love with it's like the way i talk about and other people in philly talk about wawa oh, I love I, I've, wawa. I've come to find out that Fl- floridians view Publix in a similar light if wawa was to sponsor this podcast i think it would be one of my happiest moments ever that would be great wawa is amazing there's yeah. just there's something for everyone there but I, when i saw messi there i almost wondered like okay is this some kind of test run like he's probably heard from a lot of people leo go to the u.s like if you go to the U.S., it's a good league. You'll enjoy it there. Um, you know, you'll you'll be very famous certainly, but not like it won't be as oppressive as it is. Like when you come home to to Buenos Aires and Argentina, you can't go anywhere. Like go to the U.S., it'll be different. I wonder. He got off the plane. He went to a grocery store. I wonder if that was an immediate test run. Okay, let's let's test this out. Let's let's see what I can do when I'm here. And in truth, 
I think it went pretty well for him. I don't took think few, he got hassled or anything. Few, I mean, he took some pictures, but I don't, it didn't look oppressive. Uh, no, I, th- I thought online uh, his biggest problem was that he didn't get the paper bags. There were plastic bags. Oh, no. So that's... Well, he needs although, to get the reuse. Somebody's got to hook him up with some reusables. Although there's probably, there's a ton of people in Florida who are like, yeah, use that plastic. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with plastic. Maybe, um, maybe. Yeah, it was, I mean, the whole unveiling the other night was, I mean, it was marred by terrible weather. Yeah. But it's bad. in this like rinky dink, let's be honest, rinky dink. The stadium in Fort Lauderdale, because it, like, I mean, it was never intended to be the home of, of no, Intermite. It's, it's not supposed to be. No. And so it's always had little bits and pieces added to it and it's been refurbished and it's not, I mean, it's nice. It's nicer than what it was. Um, but it reminds me like of a of a French second division rugby ground, you know, uh, just suddenly all this money's come in and then we have to make this thing look good. And, and the weather was bad. Um, uh, Sergio Busquets looked <laughs> kind of just phased by like, just what is going on here? Um, and the audio visuals were terrible. They came across terribly. Like it was, I don't know whether it was just not suited, but um everything about it was yeah it was just difficult and the mic kept going in and out for both beckham and uh for one of the owners and then for messi himself um and 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 i you know it just i thought about it and i thought as he stood there kind of in the semi dark with the rain falling he must kind of somewhere in his heart think well this is it this is the end of top level club football for me. Everything now after this will be something of a carnival. I'll go to all these stadiums and yes, I mean, it just won't be. I mean, France was probably a little bit like that as well. Let's be honest. Maybe as go, it could as have been sort of a, an introduction into that kind of just, phase it of just, career. yeah, it just seems that money and influence and the gilded cage he found himself in at Barcelona priced him out of being where he should be for his final years, which is in European football. Um, well, I'll say this. What you're saying might be true. Um, however, and look, this is just my perspective of watching it. I don't know. I'm not in the man's head. I don't know what you thought. I thought he I thought he looked really happy. He did look happy. I don't think he... Um, he didn't look bad. You know, because we've all seen him at his... That's the thing. We've all seen him at... at, at at peak on happiness. Yeah. We've seen him in the middle of a psychic torture, which was uh, in Russia. Uh, you know, when you knew before the game, uh-uh, he's not right. He's just not psychologically right. Yeah. So, um, and we've seen joy, I think. And like, I, I never know how he's going to be like, he's kind of a, a shy figure. No one, yeah. it seems like really knows. Well, him he's not Mr. That personality. Well. Right. And so I never know exactly like, how is this guy when it comes to like dealing with the limelight when all, when all eyes are on him at an unveiling like this, like this mm. is all for you. Uh, how does he like that kind of stuff? I thought he looked, honestly, like I, I thought he looked really happy at peace with it. I, like I, I think though, Andrew, uh, that the, the man, I, I know he wanted another Champions League. I know he did. If it could have worked at Barcelona, I think that is where he would have been. I but think he wanted another run at the Champions League. That's not happening. But it clearly what happened in Qatar has kind of changed him 
unleashed him. I think he can relax, try and enjoy his football. Speaking yeah. of the football, Jonathan Wilson brought us back to the football in his piece in The Guardian today. Um, this is how he finished it, and I thought it was good. With less gifted players around him than at Barcelona, it's possible he could find it difficult to cope with the physicality of MLS. Perhaps the very presence of Messi will inspire those around him. It certainly should create space for others. The likelihood, though, barring an influx of new players or Martino having a truly transformational impact, is that Messi will produce a number of thrilling cameos in a team that doesn't really threaten for major honours. And perhaps that doesn't really matter. This is about raising the profile of Inter-Miami particularly and MLS in general and about raising Messi's status in the US. The deal will do that and it will make Messi richer. But it does say something about the condition of modern football that the marketing potential of the move so overshadows what it might mean on the pitch. This used to be a sport. I have to say it's been kind of overwhelming, the money talk and the the eyes talk and, you know, the impressions this is going to make around the world for Apple and the money that's going to be generated and the crowds and the ticket sales and all that. And so little has been talked about. Well, how's he going to fit into the side? And Jonathan earlier on in the piece just talks about how bad Inter Miami are and how the players around him um, might not be good enough to do the things he needs them to do because he doesn't run anymore. Uh, Jonathan talked about in the piece how his pressing after the first two years under Pep just fell off a cliff. We know what he does, what he can't do. Yeah. And you you can make fun of MLS all you want. I know Ronaldo has had a pop. Um, you can do that all you want. That's fine. But it's not a league that uh, is lacking in either physicality or, or running or, or that kind of frantic nature of the game. So I I wonder. I really do wonder. Yeah. Um, and I've been, I mean, I'll say this right now. I've been very interested in that. I talked about it on the, the pod that you weren't here that I did solo. I talked about that. Great how, pod, by the way. Thank you so much for that. Sure. Of course. I'm sorry you weren't there. But I, I talked about that of just like how unique this is to see a player like this go to such a bad team. Uh, it's just not something we're really accustomed to seeing, and I'm curious to see how it'll shake out. And I saw JJ um, at MLS Buzz, who I enjoy very much. Um, they tweeted, or he tweeted, Inter Miami needs about 25 points from their last 12 games in order to be in the general area to qualify for the playoffs. That would likely mean winning at least eight of their last 12. They've only won five in their first 22. The stage is set for yet another another messy carry job. Um that is true. They've, they have only won five in their first 22. They haven't had the greatest player in the world for those first 22. Like it's, this is different. Um, Busquets joining is uh. different. Jordi Alba joining is different. And now there's reports that somehow, I don't know how they're going to do this. I know you're talking about being nauseated by the finances, but it is part of it in terms of team building. They want Luis Suarez now. And he was trying to get out of his uh, contract at Gremio. And he's trying to get to Inter Miami now as well. I don't know. It's, it might be hard for him to get out of that contract. It might be even harder for Inter Miami to make the financials of this all work. Remember, well, I feel like MLS are going to do whatever they can. Well, then for, they are going to have to. They're going to have to undo some of what they've done because Inter Miami are currently operating under sanctions for trying to have five designated players a couple of years ago. So I think that has, find a that way. has hamstrung them in some ways. It's it's amazing how that's turned around on them. It's just truly amazing. They were the. They were the the black sheep of the family in MLS because of what they've done, and now they're potentially saving MLS's hide from from, from well. MLS would have been fine without them, but obviously it's it, 
Oh, this I don't. Is big, I'm not, this is a huge moment. I mean, it would it would have continued, but this is a huge boost. Of course, of course. Um, but on that note, Arch Bell has a great piece at ESPN FC about Inter Miami and sort of like the financial gymnastics of trying to make this happen. Um, because like the league, you know how like the league has built in these these roster building restraints or constraints out of an abundance of cautiousness, like these guardrails for this new league to make sure yeah. teams don't bite off more they can chew, DPs targeted allocation money all that stuff but like what he's saying here is like a lot of that is kind of outdated now that if miami and other clubs like lafc toronto fc if they want to be more ambitious maybe it's time to at least not like let them off the chain but loosen the reins a little bit and arch has this great paragraph where he puts some perspective into it where he says uh there's a logical disconnect when ownership groups new to mls are writing 500 million dollar checks to operate a new expansion franchise, yet are then subsequently limited to a salary cap that's just 6.2% of what NHL teams are allowed to spend annually. The money is there to If the money is there to start the team, then the money to construct a roster to their liking should not be so dramatically shackled. I mean, the NHL, that's the next, he points out, it's the next most financially limited major men's league in the U.S. And MLS's salary cap is 6.2% of what NH, the NHL's is. They, I think, I think this league has proven that while it is still young, it, it is it's sustainable now. And I think that maybe some of the guardrails that were in, in place in terms of these roster building um, financial guardrails, I think maybe they can start to make some changes here to loosen those up and allow teams to spend a little more freely. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's going to be Miami. They If they want Suarez, I don't know how they're going to do it because they, they've had the things they've had to do in the last 72 hours or so to free up DP spots for Messi and Busquets. Uh, Jordi Alba is going to be going there, not even on a designated player deal. So I don't know how exactly that's going to work. Maybe he is. I'll have to double check that. I know that they're working frantically to try to make all this work. I don't know how Suarez will, but we'll see. Who knows? Hey, Jordi, will you accept $35,000 a year? <laughs> Plus a bonus of a $20 million yacht. I mean, Messi's making between 50 and 60 from Miami. We don't even know like the Adidas and Apple portions of that. A lot. He, he, can't he, can't he like quietly under the table? Like Jordy, come I'll tell you what, come live at my house, you know, keep, clean up after me, be my driver. And I'll, I'll give you an extra. This isn't summer league college baseball. Hey, we'll be, share be, a house. Be we'll my to, turtle we'll go, to Vinny chase. We'll go to Hyannisport and we'll, we'll play ball together and maybe we'll get spotted. Like, what are you talking about? It's not going to work like this that. This is the arrangement. The, uh, the MLS will do whatever they can to make this happen. It's obvious. JJ, JJ, I know you mentioned, I should say last thing on this, his first training session was today, reportedly over 200 media members and multiple helicopters. This is like this is just going to be different than anything we've experienced in this country before. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to go, but I just know already it's just different. We have not seen anything quite like this, and hopefully that is going to be for the better. I think it will. I can't wait to see this. Michelle Kaufman of the uh, Miami Miami Herald, um, she's a good follow, especially for this. Uh, she, she took her camera, and she was saying how in the first three years of Inter Miami there would be maybe three or two members of all media at training sessions. And she said many times I was the only one there. Look at it. I mean, JJ, remember you and I, when we went to NYCFC training and Patrick Vieira was the manager, an icon. And he, you know, he's, he's speaking afterwards. And like, it was like three of us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was like, it was so nothing. Remember when Pirlo just kind of, just lolloped out there like late like 
it seemed to be late. Everyone else had, had the training sessions seemed to have been really far on. And this was at SUNY Purchase, right? SUNY Purchase, yeah. yeah. And then message or um, excuse me, Perlo just comes out and yeah. just joins in in a kick around. But like, imagine that same training session with like helicopters and two hundred reporters. Like, I can't even, I can't even envision it. This is it's the crazy. different level. This is different a different level. level. This yep. is unlike anything we've seen. Um, I know I had here in the rundown Ronaldo's comments. Ugh. Maybe we'll table that. I don't know. I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure. I want to go into this now. Okay, I agree. It's uh, he's whatever. We'll deal with them later. Uh, we'll deal, deal with, with later. you later, Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> um, finally, before we get out, JJ, uh, just a couple quick transfer-related stuff that does bear mentioning. Manchester United signed Johnny Evans. Apparently, weird. Not one Very I was expecting. Weird, but it allows this outstanding little piece of a fact. It's not a factoid. Is it a piece of trivia? I don't know. Uh, this is from the excellent Colin Miller. Uh, Johnny Evans' contract with Man United means the club have had at least one player managed by Sir Alex Ferguson at some stage dur- during their career in their first team squad for 49 consecutive seasons. Nice. Back to uh, back to Arthur Albiston in 1974. So Albiston was in the 74 squad and was obviously around when Fergie took over. Wow. In 86? Is that right? Yeah, I guess. It's your so stat. 49 consecutive seasons. Now, when De Gea left, we thought this was going to be broken. But no, Johnny Evans coming back. I bet you Fergie engineered that just to make sure. <laughs> My tentacles go deep. Uh, incredible. And, and I don't know what sense it makes for United. Um, I know they brought back like some players in the past. Like they, they had that experiment with the, the 21s where they'd have, or the 23s where they'd have a, an ex senior pro on a contract at United. So he could play and, and it would be like, almost like he was coaching on the field. He was player coach. Um, uh, they did that with the, um, recently with a few, with a few players, including Tom Huddleston. So I, I yeah, I don't know. It's just odd. Um, what's very interesting is uh, Rasmus Hoyland. Uh, big talk about his potential move to Atlanta, uh, from Atlanta to Manchester United. So I'm really interested in that one. Um, I don't know if that's going to get over the line, if it's even happening, but it's the major rumor on Man United Twitter. And um, yeah. of course, of course, accompanied by highlight videos with bad dance music dubbed over the top. Nice. It's a staple of this time staple. of year. Just looking at Johnny Evans' contract. So, what is this exactly? It's called a, a short-term, um, a short-term signing. Is it almost like a tryout? I probably should have looked into this a little deeper. No, uh, short-term signing. It. I mean, I guess maybe till Christmas. He has only signed a short-term contract, so he can take part in the Edinburgh and San Diego legs of United's preseason tour. Um. I guess so. He stays fit until he f- can find another club. Maybe, yeah, maybe um, some. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. I don't know. Interesting. Um, yeah, very much so. Um, um, also, it looks like uh, speaking of United, a lot going on there. Um, it appears they're about to finally get Andre Onana over the line. Big get for them at goalkeeper. Um, when you look at the the last season, the the comparisons between Onana and De Gea. Mm. Um, I mean, it starts to come into a clearer picture as to what Ten Hag wants from his goalkeeper as to why he was so aggressively pursuing Onana and why he was so willing to let De Gea, for all intents and purposes, a club legend. I mean, maybe it hasn't ended quite the way you'd want, but great player for United for many years. But like 
the passes per 90, I mean, it's not even close no. between Onana and De Gea. Pass success rate, 79.2% for Onana, 68 for De Gea. Accuracy on long ball, 6.1 per 90 for Onana, under 5 for De Gea. Um, so it's, you know, it, that I think that's what they want a guy who can play with his feet um, coming out of the back, and, and you weren't going to get that from De Gea. Uh, this and I, I just think of the final point on that one is I just think of De Gea and I'm sure other people can think of other goalkeepers as well who were just caught by the, the kind of revolution um, that partly came into the game in large part through Pep Guardiola. But if you look at the stock of, say, a goalkeeper like Joe Hart, like I think of Joe Hart and I think of De Gea in the same way, they, like that their Ooh. first few years in the league were what was your goalkeeper? He hit the ball long. That's what he did. And he made saves. Those were the big things. And he had to be okay with his feet. But he never had to be creative or whatever. And then that within four or five years of them starting their careers, and right in the middle of their careers, it's as if, snap, it changed. Completely changed. You see, Hart became immediate surplus to requirements at Manchester City, despite the fact he'd won two leagues as their starting goalkeeper. Um and and uh, and I felt the same for De Gea. It's like they were just caught at the wrong time. If they came into the game a little bit later, they would have been schooled and honed in those in those skills. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, and then finally, uh, Brighton rejecting Chelsea's second bid for Moises Casado, seventy million pounds reportedly. Um, just a reminder for everyone that a seventy million pound bid was just rejected by a club that paid four and a half million for him in twenty twenty one. Unbelievable. Now, having said that, I don't blame Brighton one bit. I mean, like, they're, I think they're willing to let Caicedo leave, but they're not going to let him go to Chelsea for under what he's valued at. And I think right now, most valuations of him are right around $100 million because you have to look at it, JJ. In terms of, like, Declan Rice, I guess we're going to find out exactly how much that English tax that we always talk about, we're going to find out exactly how much that is. Because, like, I don't know that Declan Rice is better than Caicedo, and Caicedo is three years younger than rice yeah. he, he was second in the league in tackles second interceptions third in possession one in the middle third sixth in passes completed um so like if rice went for 105 then brighton ha- i think they have every right to hold out and say 70 million look what arsenal just paid for their for their central midfielder try again well, so i don't blame them there's a little bit of try again going on in the league because fulham are have rejected a bid from west ham for paulinia and West Ham's bid was not massive either. I think it was in the 35 to 40 million range. And they were told, no, yeah. no, not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Rice, Austin FC had a nice little nice little tweet. They tweeted, so their their player, um, I, um, John Gallagher, who's Irish, uh, he was in DC for, obviously, for the MLS, as was uh, uh, Declan Rice. And they got a picture together. And Austin FC tweeted, Irish ties, Irish flag emoji. John Gallagher and newest Arsenal signing Declan Rice link up in DC. (laughs) So whoever is running the Austin FC account, just props, absolute props, because he should never be let forget what he's done. Never. Um, Finally, do you have anything else? I just have one last thing here. I've I've got one last thing before... Before uh, before we get to you, um, so Jordan Henderson is with Liverpool. 
in Germany uh, as part of their preseason. The rumors that he was joining Steven Gerrard at Al Ittifak in uh, Saudi Arabia are very strong. They're, I mean, they basically were looking to agree a valuation. He had agreed to go last week, yeah. But the clubs fell short on their valuation of what the transfer fee should be. Um, so well, didn't Al Ittifak want him to leave for free? I think something like that. Um, so Kiva O'Neill, who writes for uh, the Athletic, she wrote a piece. Uh, Jordan Henderson had the trust of my community. Then he broke it, and it shows. Um, it shows. It talks about Henderson being such a vocal ally, or appear to be a vocal ally of the LGBTQ community, and lots of things that he said, his public stances, and uh, to even consider going to Saudi Arabia. Um, it's really become a problem. And she wrote this ultimately when Henderson's true values were tested and he was forced to choose between morals and money, he gave his answer and many people will find that hard to forget. So even if he doesn't go now, he's kind of tainted the fact that he had agreed terms to go. It's yeah. a brilliant piece on the athletic. And um, yeah, it's, and, and I mean, Liverpool, if you were hoping for some solidarity with those who are, you know, oppressed in Saudi Arabia, and who cannot live openly as gay people there for fear of death um, from Liverpool players, you're not going to get it. Ex-Liverpool players, I mean, Robbie Fowler's gone to manage a second division team in Saudi Arabia. Steven Gerrard didn't think twice about going to Saudi Arabia from what we can tell. Roberto Formino has gone there. Um, uh, yeah, it's yeah. Kind, of, kind of depressing. Uh, and then last but not least here, JJ, I, I just just a quick thing on ridiculous friendlies that are happening. I don't know if you saw this. I did. Bayern Munich beat ninth tier Rotek Ergen today, twenty seven nil. Yeah. Jamal Musiala, uh, Mathis Tell, and Marcel Sabitzer, who's back now at Bayern, they each scored five goals. Ninth tier against Bayern Munich. I, can someone tell me what what is the point of this? Uh, Why are Bayern scheduling this for any of our Bundesliga listeners out there? Like, is there some is there a reason for this? Is there some tradition between these two? I know they played once before, and Bayern beat them twenty three nil a few years ago. Like, is there some kind of like ties between ownership or something? Is that it I'm close just, to the training camp? Is there help me? I'm trying to find a reason as to why this would happen because what is anyone to gain from this? Like what is, what is Bayern? Like, what are they learning about their team? To, what is the point of this for Rotic Egern? What is the point of this? Other than to say, we got to play against Bayern. Cool. Like if I, I just, I don't get it. Ninth tier. What's Bayern Munich doing? S- scrimmage your own squad, play an inner squad scrimmage. Where, like, you'll, you'll learn way more about your team through something like 27 like, nil. Yeah. Why? It's pointless. It it, it is pointless. Um, Ninth tier. Yeah, and and the score. I mean, it just just ridiculous. Um, one thing that is going viral is when Harry Redknapp was at West Ham, and he played one of these lower tier teams for West Ham. Like, and West Ham supporters turned up. It was preseason, and this guy just was giving him abuse all game. And Redknapp turned around and said, "All right, if you think you're so good, come on then." And they got him kit and boots. And they put him on for subbed him in in a preseason game against some non-league team uh, for West Ham United, and uh, Harry Redknapp loves telling that story. And that guy was Leo Messi. How <laughs> Tao's career was born. 
um, yeah, I just don't get. I, I saw the other day Venezia in Italy. In in Italy, uh, they scrim- They had some friendly against a team like this. What was that? Thirty-one nil, I think. Andrea Novakovic, American. He had nine goals in like a twenty-minute span in the second half. Like, wait what- until USMNT Twitter gets a hold of that. Oof. Like, what? What is the point of this? I just, yeah, I agree with you. Like, should should like the Golden State Warriors when they had Steph and Clay and Durant? Like, should they have been playing like my middle school team? I think these are what, games. What would just, they have gained from that? These are games of just location and convenience, and probably because maybe they're in the the heavy loading part of training, like where where there's a lot of heavy running in the middle of the day, and they just want these kind of, I don't know, ninth the, tier. Yeah, I don't get, I don't get it really. I don't get it either. Uh, anyway. At any rate, hey, this was this was fun. We're ready now. We're ready now for the U.S. Women's National Team and for the FIFA Women's World Cup begins. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, tomorrow. Tomorrow it all kicks off, and then the U.S., of course, 9 Eastern time, a very palatable 9 p.m. Eastern time, (laughs) Friday, the U.S. and Vietnam. I can't wait. JJ, this has been a joy. You got anything else? No, no, I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm excited uh, for both uh, my my adopted home and the land of my fathers and mothers. All of them. All of them. (laughs) Plural. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Hey, enjoy the tournament, everybody. Like I said, we'll be with you after the game oh. at some point. Oh, oh God. I sh- Sorry to interrupt you. It's so unprofessional. I want to just thank all the animals and uh, listeners who reached out and were so kind to me and nice to me after um, my uh, daughter had to go into hospital uh, last week for a few days. She's absolutely fine. It was one of those little scare things that babies can get. She had a, She ran a fever and it was... Yeah, it had to be investigated and it didn't go down. So we were in hospital for three days. But um, yeah. I, I appreciate it so much. It was very, very touching. And uh, it, it it won't be forgotten. I'll put it that way. Well, thank God she's she's fine. We're obviously all all so happy to hear that. So I know that. I can't how, wait to take her to Gettysburg. <laughs> how harrowing those, those things can be when you have a newborn and everything makes you nervous. And you were, yeah, you did the right thing. Get it checked out. And uh and she's all good, and, and thank God for that. Hey, this was fun, man. Enjoy the tournament, everybody. We'll be with you late Friday to talk all about the first game for the U.S. JJ, to you, I say... Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care, Andrew. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 